someone like Jesse and Lauren on the same page. And, you know, how many of you thank God for your pastors for standing up in a difficult time? Can you give them a, give them a hand clap? And, uh, yeah, come on. Yeah, you can stand. And, uh, yeah, come on. Yeah, you can stand. That's right. And, uh, yeah, it's for you, brother. And that awesome woman of God. And uh, take a seat because let me tell you what um, what Jesse did in America and guys like Jürgen and others put oxygen in my soul. Uh, I was out there in the secular world. You know, I actually toured with uh, with uh, former President Donald Trump. He's a great guy. And I, I remember we were on a tour and. Uh, you know, they paid him 1.5 million for every hour's speech. He did five. And he gave all the money away to charity and kids in need. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and we were in the green room and my, my phone rang and I answered my phone. And if you know Donald, he's larger than life, but he's just a beautiful man. And he's a strong man. And uh, I answered my phone. He said, you don't make enough money. You answer your own phone. I said, and Donald, you got a bad hairdresser. <laughs> But uh, look, today I, I, I am a, a witness to the grace of God. Can you give me an amen for that? And now I need you to help me preach. Because I'm used to speaking to secular audiences. And if I would have known that a Chinese virus was going to resurrect our ministry, I would have sent one myself. <laughs> I was sitting there minding my own business until one Thursday afternoon. Spirit of God said to me, get up and confront the Prime Minister of Australia. And I did, and that's why I'm here. Because, you know, we, you know, we, we, we and it was amazing, because they said to me, if you take a stand on stuff, it's gonna affect your speaking business, it's gonna affect your ministry. Well, guess what? When you take a stand for what is righteous, God will never withdraw, God will take off. Can I get an amen? And if you, if you put God first, now, I need you to help me preach a little bit because, you know, I was in a church in Joysey. Anybody been to Joysey? Uh, that's Jersey, okay? And, uh, and, and I was in this church and um, it was a little different. This church, they sang that song, I got a feeling everything gonna be all right. Oh, clap, folks. Come on. God, stop, stop. You ask a white church to clap to a black song, it ain't gonna work. But, but, but anyway. I mean that respectfully. But, but hey, I don't know what to say and what not to say. So so I was there, and and in this church, there was 75% African-American, 20% Hispanic, and 5% boring white people. And as I'm speaking, I thought the pastor was running the church, but there was this lady about three-quarters of the way down the aisle, and every time I said something she'd like, she'd go... Mm-mm, come on, come on, tell it. Yes, sir, yes, sir, come on. Pop the clutch, pop the clutch. I didn't even know what pop the clutch meant, you know. And, and, and then when I said something she didn't like, she got, help him, Jesus. <laughs> but what was scarier 
was I found out after service that her and her husband had an argument and she was three quarters of the aisle, like right on the edge, and he's in the se- he's been banished to the second row. And, and as I'm speaking, I tell you, I spoke so good that day, I bought my own CDs and books. And uh, are you guys going to laugh at my stuff or do I have to work harder here? And, and while I'm standing up, he jumps up in the middle of my message and goes, well, come on, white boy, tell it like it is. So how many of you today will allow me to tell it like it is? Can you give a lot of hand of praise if you will? Because today, what I want to do is to tell you that God's not done with your life yet. Come on. Your sins are an event. They are not a permanent condition. Unless you want them to be. Unless you want them to be. See, we must never repeat what God has forgotten. Only two people remind you of your errors. Number one, the devil. Number two, CNN. Did I say that publicly? (laughs) But it's true. And what you've got to do, what we must do, is realize that we are all sinners saved by the grace of God. Amen. Amen? And we must bestow that grace. You see, when someone repents, we must. The the person I struggled with with my life forgiving was I I struggled forgiving me. Come on, we don't need the devil to beat us up. We do a good job all on our own. Am I right? And, 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 that, and some, I remember when the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Son, who made you bigger than me? And I'm here to tell you that your dreams have only just begun. So I want to speak to you today on the power of a dream. How many of you out there have got some dreams, some goals, some things you want to achieve in your life? Can you give me a big, wave that hand up right near. I want to make sure I'm preaching good. And if I, don't, if, if, if I miss this, Tell your pastor, because he asked me to preach this message. I either go, I hear from God or I hear from the preacher. That's easier. Come on. And tonight, I want to tell you, your dreams are real. I remember several years ago, I was in my nation's capital, Canberra. And I was speaking that night, and we had, we had 2,500 young people turn up to an auditorium that only fit, uh, fitted 1,500 people. I finished speaking. At the end of the night, I went to the back of my book table. And those days, I just had my books and tapes. And, and this girl is, comes to the back of the table in the weirdest, most satanic voice I've ever heard. And she says, can I speak to you? I said, sure. Which one of you wants to talk to me first? She pulled out her arms toward me. And when she pulled out her arms towards me, I nearly dry heaved. Her arms were cut and slashed to pieces. This girl, Victoria, was sexually abused by a stepfather, brother, and uncle, sometimes simultaneously. And to keep her quiet, that would, that would burn cigarette butts on her arms. When she came to our, our, our ministry, she said, I want to kill the men that did this to me. Could you blame her? But here's what I've discovered. Unforgiveness is the poison you drink to kill somebody else, but it ends up poisoning you. And through our time with Victoria, she got over the addiction she was in. She got over all the medication she was on. After about six months, we noticed her blossom and grow. Within about 12 months, she graduated from our, our program. She became one of our leaders. And she graduated 76 girls from eating disorders and drug addictions. And today, she's a multi-millionaire with four beautiful children. 
Come on, I'm here to tell you. You see, that girl had dreams in her heart that the enemy wanted to steal. Listen to me very carefully. A man or a woman with a dream will never be denied. And what you've got to do is you've got to watch out for the negative, nitpicking, thumb-sucking whiners. Otherwise known as relatives. Come on, if I say something, give me a clap here, please. Am I right? Isn't it amazing that the people that should believe in you the most are the ones that try and rob you from your destiny? How many of you had that experience? Please give me a wave. You're not new. Joseph, the Bible says in Genesis 37, the Bible says now Israel loved Joseph, his son, more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a tunic of many colours. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him and his, his brothers, they hated him. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. It's interesting to note that anything that really has happened in life started with a dream. Martin Luther King, the great civil rights leader. I have a, come on. Dream. And the words that he said were this. By the way, he did not script that message. I've studied Martin Luther King for the last 30 years. And by the way, he was not a perfect man, I can assure you. Martin Luther, that speech, I have a dream, was never written. When he was standing on that podium, I think it was a great gospel singer, Ella Fitzgerald or one of them. She said to him, as he was about to speak, tell him about the dream, Martin. Tell him about the dream, Martin. And he opened his mouth, and this is what came out. That he dreamed that there would be a day when his children would not be judged by the colour of their skin. Most people stop there. But by the content of their character. And character is not an issue of race or colour or gender. Come on, give me, give me a wave if you're with me. Character is something about the heart. And, and I've discovered that everyone that wants to achieve has had a dream. Henry Ford dreamed that people could drive an affordable, affordable vehicle. How you know someone should raise him from the dead? Especially some of the cars you drive here in America. Uh, man, uh, I've seen some of these big honking things you guys got. Not to mention. <laughs> I mean, my Lord, you could, you, you could fund all of Australia just on one gas a tank in America right now. But, but listen, interestingly enough, Paul McCartney from the legendary group called the... Oh, sinners, huh? He was interviewed by Oprah, and Oprah said, how did you come to write the most recorded song in all rock and roll history? It's a song yesterday. Let's sing it. Come on. Yesterday, all my troubles seem so Now it looks as though they Oh, I sing! <laughs> and this is what he said. He said, I dreamed it. He said, I woke up one morning and I went to John Lennon. I said, John, have you heard this song? And John said, no, I haven't. He said, I went to George and I said, George, have you heard this song yesterday? He goes, no, I haven't. He said, I was about to go to Ringo and I went, forget it. <laughs> he dreamed it. Kevin Costner said, all of us have, as children have dreams and then our reality set in. <laughs> but the Bible says that God is a giver of dreams. 
the Bible in Genesis, Joseph was not only, see, it is, oh my gosh, I'm going to give you a truth bomb right now. It is only those that dream that can interpret the dreams of them that are lost. Joseph has a dream. 17, 20 years before the most powerful man in the world has a dream that shocks him and no one can answer. Deepatch Copra can't, Demartini can't. These are all the new age gurus. He needs a man of God who's been through some stuff. How many of you have had some trials, difficulties, challenges, let down, used, abused, bankruptcy, debt, troubles, woes? Please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. Okay, okay, look around, look around, raise your hand if that's you. Look around those without their hands. I want you to beat the snot out of them. <laughs> it is the trial of your faith that qualifies you for the dream. Man, when I was, when I was hit with my own error, the first thing I did is I threw myself on the mercy of God. And I realized the dream's not over. You see, to every dream, see, to every dream, sometimes it's like a racing car. The most important part of a race in a racing car is the pit stop. And some of you right now might, might feel like my life's on hold, or maybe I did this wrong, or maybe I did that wrong, or maybe, you know, I'm not that, I'm not that gifted. I'm telling you that God has got you in a season of preparation for greatness. Amen. Can you give yourselves a hand clap if you believe that? So you say, Pat, how do we, I'm going to give you some, some, some biblical ideas. See, I could give you a motivational talk and all that, but how many of you know it's the Bible that changes you? First thing you've got to understand about fulfilling your dreams. You've got to have one. Have you ever met people from California? If you're from California, please forgive me before this statement. You talk to them and you say, how are you? Well, I'm kind of, you know, I'm just kind of, I, I don't know. I'm really like, you know, I'm just, I, oh, I don't know. And I kind of go, what drugs are you smoking? <laughs> the reason why many people don't get what they want in life is they don't know what they want. Jesus asked Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do? And Bartimaeus said, Lord, I want to see. Let me just say something here. Bartimaeus could have asked for anything and he just limited Jesus to sight. When you are specific with God, let me try that again. When you are specific with God, Father, I bind my child at the feet of the cross. I curse that addiction and I see them free and serving you in Jesus' name. That's specific. Father, I see that wayward husband of mine that won't wash the dishes and won't pick up his underwear. I bind that in Jesus' name. You've got to be specific. Fuzzy dreams can't come true. Secondly, can I encourage you? Here's the second thing. I hope you're taking notes. Never tell your dreams to non-dreamers. There are dream thieves everywhere. There are people, I remember when I started Youth Alive, 
The Assembly of God in those days used to have a thing called Christ's Ambassadors. This thing was so boring, boring people called it boring. They were trying to reach young people and they would bring out the Assembly of God choir. And I'm not picking on the Assembly of God here. And it was like, yeah, they would come out singing, Great and wonderful are thy wondrous deeds, all our God the Almighty. Oh, this is a day. This is... And a youth rally. Out in the parking lot, they're doing smoke on the water and fire in the sky. I'm out in the parking lot. And I'm sitting there in a meeting at a rally. This preacher preached hell so hard, I think he wanted everyone to go there. And in the middle of this, God spoke to me and said, I want you to take over this. I was barely saved. I had hair when I... I know you find it hard to believe. I had long hair and bell-bottom pants. Anybody remember bell-bottom pants? My flares were so white it took two days for the front to catch up to the back. <laughs> Tied up here, flared out here with mahogany platform shoes. <laughs> and I'm sitting in this youth rally, barely saved, and the Lord says, take over this one day. And then I said, and I said, okay, God, that's good. And, th and then I said, Lord, I'm going to fire that choir. And God said, good. <laughs> so we started Youth Alive and we were drawing all these kids, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. And I remember those days, the dream things would come along. The religious people telling me that rock and roll was of the devil. God's music was country and western. If God's music is country and western, we're going to pray for God. He's got bad taste. Now, I know this is the wrong part of the world to say that. So we got the lights and the, all this stuff you see today, back then was sinful. Smoke machines. I remember one preacher saying to me, I saw when those smoke machines, I saw demons leaving the platform. <laughs> I said, Pastor, what's the problem? They were leaving. <laughs> when they said, where are you going to get the money to fill a 12,000-seat arena? I said, obviously not you. <laughs> and I was telling the worship leader, whose name I cannot remember, sorry, how a great friend of mine, Bert Gooling, came and gave me $60,000 for my first youth rally. 1,200 kids came to Christ. In one night. And I'm here to tell you this. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that to tell you there will always be dream thieves that want to steal your dreams. They don't understand. You want to get involved in bold. So you want to drop a $20,000 check. Wow, that went well. You get together and you tell them some unbelieving or whatever, even someone from church, not this church, some other church, I'm going to give 20000 What? What a waste. There's always going to be a Judas around. Why is this oil wasted? They don't get it. Listen to me. Don't ever expect anyone to get your dream. It's not their assignment. It's yours. Come on, can you give me a clap on that one? This, the next thing, if we want to fulfill our dreams, listen to me very carefully. We need to have a plan. What got 
and I didn't mention this in the other two services, and I, I certainly I should have, but what got Joseph favor with Pharaoh? The Bible says that Pharaoh, when he hears of Joseph, listen to me very carefully because I'm going to talk real fast. When he hears of what Joseph has done, interpreting dreams in the prison, the cupbearer says, there's a young guy in prison who is gifted by God to interpret dreams. Listen to me very carefully because I believe I'm speaking to someone right now. And Joseph and Pharaoh says, send for him. You listen to me very carefully. I don't know who I'm speaking to. But there is coming a season in your life, business and otherwise, where they're going to say, send for him. Send for him. Send, what's your name? I can't hear you, sweetheart. Loud. Claire? That'll do. Send for whatever her name is. Send for Jesse. Send for Rob. Send for Joe. They are going to ask to be sent. And they didn't meet you at the point of your difficulty and struggle. They met you at the point of their need that only you can solve. Does that make sense? See, you are a solution to someone's problem. Oh, Lord, help me. In life, you are going to be remembered for two things. Number one, the problems you create. If you're in business, stop rewarding problem creators. Even if they're your kids. <laughs> Say amen or ouch. <laughs> You'll either be remembered for the problems you solve or the problems you create. One of those two gives you reward. When God told me in 2002, take the message of biblical economics and prosperity to the outside world, I didn't know it was going to open up doors with Donald Trump, Tony Robbins, and Richard Branson. God took me out of the church and put me in the middle of Egypt. I swim with sharks and Egyptians. And we've been able to lead thousands of them to Christ. Because I showed them how God's work. Listen to me. I can find a heathen that will believe what God says and be blessed. And I can find Christians that debate and won't. What do we do in arguing over tithing? 2,350. I don't have time to get into this. I've got a series. Anyway, forget the series. I speak on God, money, and you. 2,375 times God says he wants to bless you financially. And we're still struggling with it. But Jesus only said once you must be born again. And not one evangelical will argue over that one. 365 times God says fear not. Why? One for every day of the week. If money and finances is not so important, why is there such a war on it in the church? Now Joseph, listen to me. Joseph, Pharaoh has this dream. And there are seven fat cows. Healthy. Fat cows. And then seven skinny cows. And he can't figure this out. So Joseph says, let me tell you the dream you had. There were seven fat cows, seven years of abundance, seven years of blessing, seven years of prosperity. And then there's seven skinny cows, which represent the Democrat, the, 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 the famine. Did I say that? See, sometimes when you're under the anointing, you can't help yourself. 
Just, just raise your hand if you still love me just a little. Just Seven fat cows, seven skinny cows. Watch this. And the skinny cows ate the fat cows. Now, this is a weird dream for a lot of reasons. Number one, cows don't eat each other. They're vegetarian. They don't. But an ununderstandable dream needs a revelation from someone who understands the father who dropped the dream. He says, let me tell you, it's seven bad years, seven good years and seven bad years. Now, here's the plan. Watch what he says. Put away 20% in the time of abundance. If I was teaching Bible economics today, I would teach you this. Put away 20%. I can't afford it. You can't afford not to. Live on less. We want more resources while God is telling us to be more resourceful. Drop the mic. Come on, are you with me? And, and Pharaoh says, in the, in the NIV, he says, and the plan seemed good to Pharaoh. Joseph didn't go there and say, let me tell you about my plan. Let me tell you about my dream. My dream's amazing. Oh, my gosh, you should see. And, you know, and the sun, the moon, something going to bow down to me. Pharaoh would have said, there's the door, sunshine. When you bring a plan to your boss, to your employer, to your pastor, to your family. See, we love the event of the dream. But God is into the process. It took Joseph 17 years of difficulty, hardship, challenge. Where did he learn the ability to save and to be resourceful. Let me tell you, he learned it in his father's house. He learned it in Potiphar's house. He learned it in the prison. All of that which he went through up to then was his training ground for rulership. And oh my Lord, everything you're going through right now, every hurdle, every challenge, every difficulty, every bankruptcy, every loss is your training ground for reigning. Give a lot of hand of praise if you believe that. Fourth key, you've got to have a good attitude. Everybody say attitude. attitude. Come on, serve it in the house of God. Serving in the house of God. Let me try that again. Serving in the house of God. Pastor, you need someone to clean the toilets. That'd be me. When I had my fall, I, I was at a church and I said to the pastor, just let me serve. You know what I went and did? I went, and served, I, I went trying to direct people in the parking lot. I'm not the most organized person in the world. I was sending the new people to the pastor's car lot. It was, they said, Pat, get out of there. You're creating a mess. <laughs> so they said, well, just go, just go and serve in the new people's lounge. I said, no problem. Big shot evangelist, television ministry. And now I'm serving in the new people's lounge. Yeah. I remember a pastor came up to me. And he said to me, he looked at me with such contempt, and he said, get me a cup of coffee now. Now, look, I'm an ex-street guy, and I'm not that holy. 
I wanted to wring his scrawny little neck in Christian love. <laughs> Give me a wave if you brothers understand that. How many of you know you just want to burst this pimple head? <laughs> he was arrogant as a youth pastor. He's still as arrogant now. I went and got his cup of coffee and a Tim Tam biscuit. And I said, you know, the greatest honor I have is serving a man of God, something to refresh his soul. He looked at me, tears in his eyes. He said, I'm so sorry. And I said, you just revealed your heart that you had towards me for the last seven years, even before I messed up. Your attitude. I was with my great friend, Dan Smith, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I was speaking at a Hamway convention back in those days. And, you know, I used to do a lot of those network marketing meetings. I never was in it, but I spoke for them. And, uh, and we're walking through Minneapolis Mall. We're going to one of those, um, you know, uh, games places where you drive racing cars and stuff and as we're walking through the mall there's this kid kicking and screaming at his mother I want this mommy I want it now give it to me now give it to me now I look at this poltergeist a child <laughs> and what amazed me is not the kid what amazed me is the mother's response parents listen to me after working for years with teenagers before there ever is a problem manifested, it starts with an attitude first. I tell people, people go, I want to be a great, I want to be a great father and a great husband. I go, good, learn to be a good son to your mother then. I want to be a great wife, learn to be a good daughter. Well, uh, your silence is loud. Come on. You can't honor the, the first relational commandment of God. What makes you think you're going to honor the rest of them? So this, this mother is, the kid's kicking and screaming. And her mother goes, that's right, sweetheart. Share with mommy. Express your feelings to mommy. Tell mommy how, peel the emotions back. Peel the emotions? I peel the skin off this brat. I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> Apparently, sometimes I say things out loud. And I turned around to Dan Smith and I said, Dan, there is a future juvenile delinquent. And the mother heard me. She turns around and looks at me and says, who do you think you are? And Dan goes, oh my God, no. Now, I had two options, brothers and sisters. I had two options. Number one, walk away. Or number two, have a story for today. <laughs> so I said, I said, you want to know who I am? Let me tell you who I am. My name is Pat Mercedes. I built Youth Alive and Teen Challenge, reached over a million kids for Jesus Christ and a drug rehabilitation centre. Because you will not deal with this kid and this attitude, this kid's going to grow up without discipline, without direction, without respect for his mother, because you won't say this, son, you will not talk to me like that. I am your mother. I birthed you. You talk to me like that again, I will kill you and make another one just as ugly as you. <laughs> the 
But because you won't do that, ma'am, what's going to happen? 15 years of age, he's going to be shooting dope, smoking pot, and he's going to throw you up against the wall, stick a knife under your throat, and say, give me 50 bucks or I'm going to cut your throat open. Then you're going to call me and say, please, Pastor, please, can you help me fix up my son? He's an addict. And you want me to fix up 15 years of your incompetence as a parent. That's who I am. And, and then, brother, she says, do you have any books on the subject? <laughs> listen, listen. Attitude manifests. Attitude is a speaker of your present, the reflector of your past, and the prophet of your future. Can I give you... I, I, I'm driving to preach. I'm about to preach a message to this youth camp on the peace of God that passes all understanding. Oh, I'm driving on the freeway. Apparently I cut somebody off. I didn't know I did that. I'm Italian. What do I know about driving? This guy overtakes my car and gives me half a peace sign. Would you like a demonstration? I'm honking the horn and I got my daughters and these kids from the youth camp. I'm about to preach on the peace of God. Then he's then then he overtakes me and his girlfriend winds down her window and up comes her finger. Now I have fingers in stereo. I am so mad, ma'am. He pulls off the freeway. I follow him, Pastor Jesse. And, and one of the boys, Marty, in the back seat of the car says, that's right, Pastor Pat, let's pull over and tell him about the love of Jesus. I said, Marty, shut up. I don't, I don't want to send it. I don't want to tell him about Jesus. I want to send him to meet Jesus. That's what I want to do. Don't look at me like that. Someone cuts you off the free Honk, honk, honk. And then you've got to honk if you love Jesus sticker on your car. When people spit on you, they don't make you mad, they don't make you ugly, they make you wet. You choose to get mad. Listen to me. I never ever once got bitter at church. I've certainly been disappointed with some of the churches in Australia lately. Listen, you are the cream of the crop. But cream can get sour real quick under bad heat. The next key, I've got to hustle. The next key is Joseph had to understand time. He's 17 years of age and it's not till 17 years later until he gets his dream. Listen, time, time, time. Joe Frazier, the great heavyweight champion, said, A champion is not made in the ring. A champion is recognised in the ring. And if he cuts short on the daily runs and the trainings and the disciplines, you see, folks, what you do daily will determine what you are permanently. Listen, and you must never complain about what you permit. Better write that one down. I don't like the way they talk to me. Why do you let them? Come on. Eventually what you fail to conquer will eventually conquer you. Time, 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 time reveals things. Give me a wave, you get it. He's gone through prison. He's gone through lies. He's been falsely accused. But watch this. 
pastor said it before. 17 years. Look at me, saints. I'm about to encourage some of you. Are you ready? No, you're not ready. Are you ready? 17 years of difficulty, 17 years of lies, 17 years of rejection, 17 years of abuse, 17 years of being pitted, prodded, 17 years. And God turns it around in one day. Come on. The suddenly of God happens in a day. But the process of God, I want to be a millionaire. Don't want, you don't want to be a millionaire for making a million bucks. You want to be a millionaire for what you become by becoming a millionaire. Give me a way if you understand that. I don't want to be a millionaire. I'm not that carnal. I can teach you. Why is it? Why is it that the body of Christ struggles still with a God that says 2,375 times, He wants to bless you. I'll tell you why. Because we see ourselves through our eyes rather than God's. We see ourselves as grasshoppers. God sees us as giant killers. See, time. Let me finish with the last one. I really believe if we want to fulfill our dreams, we've got to get over our past. Can I get an amen to that? He has two children. Manasseh and Ephraim. Not Ephraim and Manasseh. We call them Ephraim and Manasseh because that's where the blessing came. Let me explain that. Give me a wave if you're still with me this morning. Have you learned something this morning? Manasseh means this. Forget all the troubles of my father's house. That's the firstborn. The second one is called fruitful in the land. When Jacob... Goes, when Israel goes to bless the children, he swaps his hand over. And he puts the blessing on the fruitful in the land. Not on what happened in the past. The Bible says, forgetting what lies behind, we press on towards the upward goal. Are you with me, folks? Don't bring up what happened. You had a fight with your wife last week. Stop bringing it up. Come on, guys. You know it. I know it. God knows it. You're always wrong. (laughs) Just try this. Yes, darling, you're right. Oh, that went down well. Come on, fellas, try it. Yes, darling, you're right. Oh, oh. We've got to forget what lies behind. I walked into a meeting. I was at a hotel. And all the bad news started coming out. This, by the way, this is 20 years ago. (laughs) Blows me away. I walk into a hotel, the Versace Hotel. I'm there for a wedding. And my great friend, Jesse DePlantis, walks into the lobby. How many of you know Jesse DePlantis? One of the great Bible teachers. Word of faith, man. He says, Brother Pat, are you here for my meeting? I said, no, Brother Jesse, I'm, I'm here for a wedding. He says, you've got to come to the meeting. Come and sit in the front row. Great of greatest evangelist Australia's ever seen. And starts talking about me. I said, Brother Jesse, you know, I, I'm sorry I let you down. I, I did this, I did that, I did this. And I started, I started telling him what had happened. 
And Jesse just stands there and he just stares at me. He says, stop. You ever had Brother Copeland or Jesse say stop? You stop. I mean, you just. He says, Father God just spoke to me. He said, tell my son, what's he talking about? I can't remember. I'm here to tell you that every one of you has got dreams that God wants to fulfill in your life. You've got to get over your past. You see, here's something I know about everybody in this room. Everybody in this room has something in their life that you don't want anyone else to know about. We've all got something inside. But here's what I also know. God is a great redeemer. If I had more time today, I would talk to you how Joseph was a great forgiver. Joseph was a great provider. Joseph was a great man of legacy. Joseph also learned to submit. Every part of his life, he submitted to his father, Potiphar, and Pharaoh. How many of you want to be blessed? Give me a wave. Learn to submit to your pastor's vision and God will give you your own. This little boy I know grew up with two alcoholic parents. At the age of six, his dad would make him wait outside bars and say, Son, I want you to wait there five minutes. I'm going to have one beer and I'll be five minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, it was never one minute, one beer and it was never five minutes. The father would come out rolling drunk and scare the little boy and say, Did you move? If you move from there, I will beat you. Little boy stand outside the bar, sir, and wet himself and dirty himself, and the drunken father wouldn't even notice. They get on the bus, and little boy try and get some money out of his daddy's pocket to pay for the bus trip, and people could smell a stench in the little boy from dirtying himself. Father couldn't. People would laugh and snicker about the old drunk, and he would say, Don't laugh at my daddy, my daddy's sick. One morning the father gets up to go to work in the early hours of the morning and is already drunk before he went to work. He put his trousers on them and noticed that there was money missing out of his pocket. He wrongfully assumed the little boy stole it. He picked up the little boy in the dark early hours of the morning, threw him outside in the middle of winter out of his bed, stripped him of his clothes and began to hose him down in the freezing cold early hours of the morning. He goes to the garage and gets a piece of nylon rope and he begins to crack that whip and that little boy knows exactly what's about to happen. And the father says, I'll teach you to steal from me. And he began to beat him, beat him. He goes, Daddy, I'd never steal from you. Stop lying to me. This little boy never stole the money. His brother stole the money. But he wasn't about to squeal and rat on anyone. He began to beat him and beat him. And the mother hears him screaming. She runs out from the house. She's also still drunk from the night before. The little boy did not see his mother coming. He did not hear his mother coming. He smelt her coming. That's how bad her hygiene was. The father beats her so bad, blood pouring down her face. He puts the bleeding face in front of the little boy and says, You see what I did to her? I'm going to do the same thing to you if you ever touch my money ever again. Little boy go to school and teacher say, You done your homework, son? You go, No, I forgot. He never forgot. He remembered every day. But when you're trying to survive, you don't think of maths and science and English, do you? And one day one of the teachers noticed that he was trying so hard to write neatly in his book. He wanted to be a good boy. She sent him to the principal's office to get a gold star. Man, Rob, he's so amped. He's getting a gold star. See, this teacher understood something that God knows. You are motivated by recognition and reward. 
That's what David said. What will be done for the man that knocks off this giant's head? This principle looks at the little boy, got viruses in her head and says, you're in trouble again, aren't you? Didn't even let him explain. Grabbed his book, threw it on the ground, leaned him over a desk and beat him with a cane across his legs until his legs start to well. As he's leaning over that desk with tears as thick as his thumbs, he says, no man will ever hurt me like this ever again. And from eight years of age to 15 was a life of incredible violence. You tick him off, he would cut you open, he could care less. Steel bolt for a ring, blade in his shoes. 15 years of age, he's kicked out of high school for violent behavior, for beating up four brothers and trying to set one of them on fire on a railway station simply because he called him a racial name. But at 17 years of age, he made a decision that changed his life. And at 21 years of age, He gets a dream. And because nobody believes in his dream, he ends up a physical, mental, emotional and spiritual wreck. Listen to me. Maybe your wife don't get it. Your kids don't get it. Your father don't get it. Your parents don't get it. Listen to me. It's not their dream for them to interpret. Stop renting your dreams to a squatter that won't leave. But at 27 years of age, the dream started to come to pass. At 35 years of age, he's standing in front of the Washington Monument about to speak to a crowd of 400 million people, televised to 400 million people, and a quarter of a million people standing there at the Washington Monument, standing where his hero, Martin Luther King, stood. And he thought to himself, how did I end up here? And at 63 years of age, that little boy that could not read and write, His books have sold in excess of 1.8 million copies. His curriculums have helped thousands find financial freedom all over the world. And if you haven't figured it out yet, ladies and gentlemen, that little boy is standing in front of you here today because that's my testimony and that's my story. You see, that's my story. And And I'm telling you that to say this. God can unscramble the scrambled eggs of your life. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Eternity Church. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.